0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. And we're here today breaking down the Cardinals end-of-season press conference given on Wednesday afternoon by President of Baseball Operations, John Moselock. And wow, do we have a lot of news or what coming from that presser? Some of it maybe stuff we expected to hear about other Pieces of information we certainly did not. At least I didn't. And so we'll hop into the most pressing matters from Wednesday's presser for Mo and try and do all that in a tidy 30 minutes or so. We'll see. That's always the goal, but it doesn't always happen that way. But we're going to get into the coaching changes, obviously, because Jeff Albert is no more. Mike Maddox is no more. And some of the other moves that the Cardinals have been forced into the Skip Schumacher news is a couple days old by this point in time. So you've probably heard all about that as the Cardinals bench coach. He was here for a season. He's now going to manage the Miami Marlins. Good for Skip, Skip the Skipper. I'm excited for him, excited for that opportunity to see what he does with it. That wealth of pitching down in Miami should be interesting for a first-time manager to get his hands on. But plenty on the coaching side of things that we can talk about. We'll talk about sort of what led to the moves and the words of John Mozeliak, what he had to say about some of them and maybe where the Cardinals go from here in terms of replacing the departing members of the coaching staff. They've got four openings now, hitting coach, pitching coach, bench coach, and bullpen coach, as well as Brian Eversgird being reassigned to an assistant role within the organization. I will very much miss him on the rag ball wall down at spring training. He was always so exuberant about that, but the bullpen coach, will need to be replaced as well. So it's kind of like a complete overhaul, sweeping wholesale changes to the coaching staff that weren't necessarily, at least the way the Cardinals frame it, um, enacted by the team itself. A lot of this just sort of happened to them. And we'll kind of talk about our thoughts on that. I, I know there's some social media sleuthing going on. People wondering, is this really the full story that we're getting? There will always be those kinds of speculative folks out there. But we'll, touch on our thoughts on the situation, like I said, where the Cardinals may go from here, and as well as get into some of the stuff that we thought we'd hear about. There's Adam Wainwright news today, and it's like nobody's really talking about that as the lead story with everything else that John Mozalock discussed. And we'll get into the Nolan Arenado stuff as well, because Mo did talk about the situation surrounding the opt-out and the fact that Arenado could exercise it if he wanted to. But we'll update you on the conversations between John Mozalock and Nolan Arenado that took place, oh, I think over the past week or so, they said out in California and interesting the way that Nolan Arenado uh, seems to be taking ownership of the situation. And uh, I'll give you the, the boiler It doesn't seem like he's somebody who's going to be going anywhere, but Jupiter, Florida come February to get ready for the season with his teammates on the St. Louis Cardinals. But I'll explain a little bit more in detail what I'm talking about with that. We probably won't get too deep into, Oh, speculation on roster stuff and where the Cardinals could go in terms of building, they're super team to contend with the other contenders in the NL and the AL, but that uh, all could be coming forward in, in future episodes of b Shafe Daily. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever your pick, dealer's choice on that regard, and head over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12 if you'd like to support the podcast. Okay, let's go ahead and hop in. We've got several bits of John Moselock audio to play for you today. And we'll get in where we fit in as far as the Cardinals coaching moves. So let's start there in terms of the news of the day. Jeff Albert, the hitting coach, and Mike Maddox, the pitching coach. We've seen continuity at both those positions for each of the last several seasons. I believe for Albert, he got here at the beginning of 2019. And for Mike Maddox, it was after the 2017 season. So it's been a while for both of those guys. And... Suddenly, you've got neither of them, and not because either of them were fired by the Cardinals. John Mozeliak sharing that Jeff Albert chose not to return, and that Mike Maddox was stepping down. Those are the phrases that Mo used in reference to both coaches and their respective decisions not to be with the Cardinals beyond this 2022 season. They won't be with the team into 2023. So neither guy fired. John Mozeliak shared that he was willing to offer, was prepared to offer Jeff Albert another contract, but before he could get those words out of his mouth, he said he wasn't coming back. So craziness that I don't think John Mozeliak expected. Like, I don't think Mo finishing up the season thought he was going to have to fill four spots on his coaching staff for the major league roster. Like, Schumacher, yeah, you might have figured that would be coming down the pike at some point. With the respect that he has around the game, future manager, definitely a possibility. The Cardinals had to be prepared for that at some point. Maybe they didn't think it was going to be after one year. A lot of people maybe thought after two. But you look at the way the game is trending, there are trends in managerial hiring. You know, for a while, it was the former player, like the former catcher, Mike Bethini, Brad Osmus. There was kind of that trend going for a while. And then you had. The sort of bucking the trend of the the Brian Snicker in Atlanta and the Mike Schilt, the organizational guys who have worked their way up the ranks, and maybe they don't have experience at the major league level, but boy, the, the clubhouse and, and the 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 guys are going to respect that uh, work ethic and, and those kinds of organizational lifers, right? That was kind of a trend there for a minute. Now it seems the trend is: Are you buying into the analytics with everything you are, or aren't you? And Ali Marmel is, I think, the perfect blend of a manager that buys in all the way to the analytics. When I say perfect, I'm not saying that that new wave is just automatically correct. But if you think about the way the front office views it and the Cardinals aren't alone in this, a lot of forward-thinking teams feel that way. Dodgers, Rays, Giants. I mean, there's a lot of good organizations. The Yankees certainly do this. The Astros certainly do this. You know, you, you think about trying to maximize your roster in terms of the analytics. There's a lot of teams that are looking to say the field manager being totally bought in on the organizational strategies. Well, that's really a great boon for success. And so Ali Marmel, kind of that way. And now, and again, he wasn't a former major league player like Skip Schumacher, but I feel like it's back to, okay, you don't have to be the experienced MLB manager. If you're buying into the philosophy We can hire you to do the job, and I feel like Skip Schumacher, he was always right-hand man. So I don't think there's a world in which Schumacher is not bought into sort of the new age of what modern baseball teams are looking to do with the manager role. And I think he's going to do really well in Miami. But because of that, it's like you might think, oh, traditionally a guy doesn't have enough experience, so they 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 might not, you know, there might not be a team ready to hire him. No, I think it turned into a similar situation with the Cardinals and Marmol. They thought. If we don't hire this guy to be our manager now, somebody else is going to hire him to be their manager before we get the chance to do it. And I think that might be the case with Schumacher, where he was going to be a hot commodity, and the Marlins snatched him up right away. So cool to see that for Schumacher. Cardinals, not a surprise, I don't think, uh, to them, that they'd have to fill that role. The Albert thing, the Maddox thing, maybe the Maddox thing you could see a little bit more. The Albert thing, sort of coming out of left field. I want to play this clip from Mo We'll play a few clips from Mo today, See how far we get. Anything we don't get to, maybe we'll just continue this conversation on uh, a podcast later this week, just kind of keep going and break it into a couple of parts because there was a lot to digest from the Mosaic presser from Wednesday. But I want to play this because this was where he was asked sort of about, about the reasoning behind the departures for both coaches. And Mo starts out by saying, well, you know, there's there's sort of different path for both guys a little bit, but then they go in deeper and ask some follow-up questions on the Jeff Albert departure specifically because I think that's the one that's harder to understand. Mike Maddox is 61 years old. He's been doing this for a long time, a major league pitching coach, and the rigors that go with that every road trip, every game, every day for six months, you know, and then planning in the offseason, getting ready. That's just, there's a lot to that job for a guy who's done it for many, many years, and so it's not insane to think, oh, he wants to step into maybe a lesser role where it's not as demanding of his time. makes a lot of sense, And, and you'll hear Mo kind of, articulate that a little bit, and then they get into the Jeff Albert stuff, which I think we want to expand upon even further because that is, to me, the storyline of the day. So here's John Mozelak from his presser on Wednesday regarding the two departing coaches, Mike Maddox and Jeff Albert.
1: Yeah, I would say both both have their own uh, separate narrative. I think in Mad Dog's case, he's just done it for so long. He's just really looking for a change of pace. I think in, in Jeff's particular case, I think there was some levels of frustration, and um, you know, feeling like took a lot of the blame when things weren't going well. And for him, I think he's just open to uh, to change. Did you try to reassure him, that, like that you have his? Was the blame you're talking about outside forces? But- yeah, I mean, I like again, I I was prepared to offer him a contract, uh, but before I even got that out of my mouth, he had already told me he was he wasn't coming back. So that
0: almost seems like unbelievable to me in some regard that john mozalek citing on on behalf of jeff albert cuz we're not talking to him he's he's gone but basically saying that albert felt at times at some level of frustration with the notion that he would bear the brunt of the blame for when the team wasn't doing well offensively which is absolutely true if you've been around social media over the last few years like yeah jeff albert is a hot topic among Cardinals fans on days the offense goes silent, and certainly in the postseason over the last few years when the Cardinals' 2019, the exit, yeah, they made the NLCS. Why'd they get knocked out? Well, the bats went cold. 2020, didn't hit in the Padres series, didn't score in that final game for Jack Flaherty despite the great game that he pitched in Game 3 against San Diego. 2021, wild card game against the Dodgers, didn't score against Max Scherzer or the Dodger bullpen. And then this season, obviously, the wildcard series against the Phillies didn't score three runs in two games. Two of those runs coming off of a Juan Yepes home run, pinch hit. And then the, the kind of meaningless run they scored in the ninth inning of that game after the defense had coughed it up completely in the top of the ninth. So, yeah, Jeff Albert definitely got some criticism during his time. But, like, that's the gig. Like, that's what a major league pitching coach – Experiences when things aren't going well, and you look at the numbers for the Cardinals offensively. The first three years of his tenure, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, weren't very good. They're in the bottom half of the league in most major offensive statistics. This year, top five, tied for fifth in runs scored, fifth in OPS in Major League Baseball during the regular season. That's great. It's unfortunate you had the same sort of exit that you did from the playoffs with the bats not showing up, but I feel as though that could have been forgiven. I mean, you you could look at the body of work and say, all right, we're not going to. Like for, for Cardinals fans, are like, fire Albert. You look at it and go, okay, fifth in OPS, fifth in runs scored. Is there room for this team to be more consistent? Absolutely. Like, I still feel the same narrative that a lot of Cardinals fans are driving toward, which is, yeah, they had good runs scored and they're good OPS, but it's like they'd score 14 runs one day. And then how many days would they counteract that with zero, one, or two runs? It feels like more often than most teams with you know, supposed elite offenses would do. So I agree. The consistency not always there. But is that Jeff Albert? Is that the players? I mean, it's kind of hard to to pin that down. But if you have enough years of it in a row, I can totally understand fans going, all right, it's Jeff Albert. You got to get rid of this guy. But what I think Cardinals fans do maybe understand, but maybe not to the, the extent that they ought to, is the work that Jeff Albert has done, sweeping changes throughout the organization in terms of laying the foundation for how this, this organization approaches hitting. And that's not just at the major league level, but at minor league levels as well. And I want to give you John Moselock's own words on that because I have a few thoughts, but then I have sort of a thought on Jeff Albert that I felt this way since going back to last year after 2021, you know, it didn't really go super well in terms of offensively. Obviously you had the exit and that was a team that made the postseason despite not having a very powerful offense. And so I, I want to share some of those thoughts. But here was John Lozalak on uh, just evaluating the job that Jeff Albert did and sort of a little bit of a hint into what they're looking for in the role moving forward.
1: Uh, I think uh, Jeff accomplished exactly what we were hoping him to do. Um, he, he modernized our, our hitting program, our, our strategy. I think he uh, you know, made a, a huge uh, uh, contribution to our minor league side. So I think from that standpoint, it was a success. I think, you know, when you look at what was happening up here at the big league level, um, I think uh, you know people were tough on him. Um, it wasn't an easy job. You know, our, our offense was good this year though. I mean you compare it to, to the league and it it was it was good. And so, you know, I was hopeful he would come back. Um, but I think, you know, for, for personal reasons and, and, and just you know wanting maybe to try something different. Is really why we are where we are, but um, I thought the combination of, of him and Turner were, were, were go- it was good. I think like having the, the different voices allowed players um, places to, to seek advice, and so that standpoint. So as I look to, to the future, I could imagine that we're going to try to find something that, that resembles a little bit how Jeff thought, and, and um, you know, hopefully we can address that need moving forward.
0: All right, so for the people that maybe question whether they're getting the full story in terms of the Jeff Albert departure, I want you to listen, maybe scroll back if you need to, to John Moselak like there, because I feel like he's giving you the answers to the test. Last year when they fired Mike Schilt, he said there were philosophical differences. He didn't say, we want to bring in a guy that does it like Mike Schilt does it. No, he's saying about Jeff Albert, though, yeah, we kind of like what he did, and we're, we're going to look to bring in somebody that thinks the way he thinks to keep that continuity to what he has done uh, from a hitting perspective. Yes, he mentioned that, oh, it was a hard job and people were tough on him. And that's really weird. Like, again, I talked about the the fact that it sounds like, the way Mo phrases it, that Twitter fired this guy. Like Cardinals Twitter said, oh, we don't like Jeff Albert. And Jeff Albert heard that and said, oh, I can't, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> like It's just almost mind-boggling to think that that's actually what happened, but... Not really if you step back and think about Jeff Albert as a as a coach, as a person. Like, I wonder if he was ever the right fit to be the major league hitting coach. Not because he doesn't know what he's talking about, but because it was maybe just a slight misalignment with where he could have been if, very effective and could maybe still be in the job if that were the case. Like, if he were paid the same as he were paid to do the role that he did, but he just did the, like, make him the over overall czar of hitting. Right? He gets a special title, but doesn't wear a uniform, isn't in the dugout for Major League Games, doesn't have that role. But you paid him the same, like he made good money as a coach, because his role wasn't just be the hitting coach for the big league club. It was to, as Moselax said there in the clip, completely restructure the organizational philosophy and approach to hitting. And Moselax says he's done that. We thought he's done a great job. He did what we hoped he would do. But... It's almost as though that that last aspect, which isn't necessarily even the most important aspect of Jeff Albert's job, based on the way the Cardinals describe what it was that he did, the major league coaching part, it's like that's the part where there was the disconnect. At times it was because he didn't he wasn't maybe the personality, the personable guy to relate to players. You hear Mo talk about different voices, and even going back to last year, it was like Ryan Ludwig is helping out Paul the Young figure out how to hit. And there's all these all these other outside voices. It's like, is Jeff Albert really getting the most out of these players? Probably not. I don't know how much of that is Jeff Albert's fault, though, and how much of it is maybe this was just not the right role for him. I thought, at, honest to goodness, and I may have talked about this on B-Shape Daily at the time, but when they fired Mike Shill what I was expecting to happen was Jeff Albert to be reassigned into you know, vice president of offensive strategy. Like they were going to do that, that ceremonial thing where he's not fired, but we're, we're removing him from this role to put him in a different role. But actually, in that case, it wouldn't have been a demotion. He could have continued to make all his money. He could have continued to do everything that he was doing. You just have a different voice in the ears of the players on game days. Like, that to me would have made a lot more sense. I don't know that Jeff Albert ever needed to be in a uniform. And it almost seemed like this could have been a relationship that would have worked out really well and lasted even longer if they would have just had a slight restructuring. But instead, they fired the manager last year. And I don't know if it was because Mike Schultz didn't see eye to eye with Jeff Albert. I don't know that that was the reason people speculate that that's what it was in part, but I look at it and think Jeff Albert clearly has done a lot of really good things for the Cardinals. Do I think that having, you know, a, a coaching staff with multiple voices is good generally? Yeah. But in this case in particular, I think so because maybe he wasn't always getting the most out of the guys. Matt Carpenter is an example, right? Matt Carpenter had a great Cardinals career, But then he sucks for a couple of years. Everybody thinks he's done, doesn't have it anymore, just physically has declined. But the offseason happens, and we get this story about in The Athletic about Matt Carpenter going cross-country, going to driveline, going to all these places, going to Joey Votto, going to Matt Holiday, relearning how to hit, realizing he had a lot of mechanical flaws with what he was doing, and it was based in him not really leaning into the analytics of what a guy like, I don't know, Jeff Albert would be – Having the philosophy of and trying to teach him. And Carpenter even said in those articles in the offseason, the, the big one in The Athletic is the one I'm thinking of, even said, I regret, you know, I should have listened to Jeff Halbert. Like, yeah, in retrospect, I probably should have leaned into it and accepted the coaching in terms of the advanced and the analytic and the launch angle and sort of the, the, the driveline baseball of what the hitters are doing nowadays in Major League Baseball. And he just was reluctant to do it, and then he leaned into it, And then he turned into the guy that he turned into for the Yankees this year. He found it again by leaning into that. That's not like, oh, Jeff Albert stinks because he can't get the most out of these players. Sometimes it can be the other way. These players are stubborn and they are not listening to the philosophy of Jeff Albert. But it's also on Jeff Albert as the hitting coach. If that's what they trusted him to be, isn't it on him as well to be like, okay, why can't he get through to these players? What is it about his coaching style strategy that's not successful with that? Obviously, I think, on the whole, a lot better this year than last year, but we have that very notable example of Matt Carpenter to point to of saying, all right, maybe there are situations, and that might be true for all coaches, right? That's why you have multiple coaches on a hitting staff because, as Moselec mentioned, the multiple voices, some guys can seek advice from this guy because they like the way he breaks it down, and this guy's a better – different strokes for different folks, right? I just don't know if Jeff had the – Real upside in terms of the major league hitting coach in that particular role and what that entails, if he was a great fit for it, I just don't know if that w- was the case or not. And part of it is not to say he did a bad job, because again, had a productive offense this year, best of his tenure. Goldsmith has talked about how Jeff Albert has has been a boon for his game, and he's gotten more from himself because of the the aid of Jeff Albert. So, I don't think Jeff Albert's a bad hitting coach. I think he would have been an even better organizational VP of what, you know, give him a fancy title and pay him a bunch of money to do what he was doing, but then bring in other guys to run that major league hitting coaching staff. Now, that being said, he didn't get fired. So I don't want to diminish the job that he did. The Cardinals were happy with that job. Fans may not have been, but it sort of goes into my point a little bit to know that the reason he's not the hitting coach anymore is because he decided he was tired of the criticism and and being blamed for the struggles. Like, Okay, that's just what it is. I mean, that's St. Louis is not unique in terms of a fan base harping on the hitting coach when things aren't going well as an offense. I don't know what he expected if that was really, and maybe it's just like, again, it's not like he said that after year one, the job. This was his fourth season with the team. Maybe it just got to him eventually. He's like, this is this is BS. Like, I don't want, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I have made, you know, a million bucks, whatever. I've made, made good money over the last four years, I can I can just be done with this now. Find something else where I don't have to deal with this criticism of being the face of something so publicly. And that's where I think it broke down a little bit. I think the Cardinals would have been better served last year. If they wanted to can Mike Schilt as well, that is that is fine. I think the, the move to Ollie Marmel has been productive. He's very good. I think they also could have maybe taken that moment to say, hey, we're going to retain what Jeff Albert does. We're going to pay him the same, but we're also going to restructure a little bit And it's not going to be like a restructure like you normally hear, like, "Uh uh-oh, that's just like a fake, that's like a firing, but they just don't want to say it. No, like, it really could have been to the betterment of all parties, I think, if he just didn't want this type of role. It may be something that he thought he wanted before he got into it, and then he was in it, and four years later, it's like, oh, it's not what I thought it would be. But I think the Cardinals maybe would have been better off to have him still in some capacity, like, the exact capacity he was, just remove the Major League coaching role and remove the jersey, which he didn't really wear anyway. He was a hoodie guy mostly. So, uh, you know, is what it is. Not the hitting coach anymore. Where does Mo go from here? Turner Ward. I mean, you hear his name come up. He was the assistant hitting coach. Would not surprise me at all for him to be the hitting coach next year. And you bring in uh, some outside help to fill out that room, to backfill, as as Mo likes to say, would make a lot of sense. On the pitching side, what do you do? Mike Maddox. That's a lot of experience that you lose. You don't really realize it until you you see him gone. like, wow, we, we like, in theory, the notion of going analytic and go in new age, but there is some value to that wisdom. I mean, that is decades of experience that Mike Maddox has in that role. And maybe the Cardinals won't really know what it's like until it's gone. That being said, I think they're totally ready to go full new age analytics with this role. I think it's going to be dusty Blake. And I, I, his name was brought up in the press conference. He's been with the Cardinals for a couple of years was the pitching coach for Duke university for several years before joining the organization, 40 years old, his title was Major League Pitching Strategist. I think he'll be the pitching coach. I almost feel as as strongly in terms of the likelihood of that as I do Turner Ward being named the hitting coach. Maybe strong, because I feel like Dusty Blake is very much analytics, new age, in line with Ollie Marmel in terms of the direction the Cardinals want to move. And... You think about a manager who, in the playoffs, took out Jose Quintana after what five and a third innings or whatever it was, and everybody thought, "Why would they have to remove him? There's no need for that. He's pitching well." I'm telling you, this is not an Ollie Marmol thing. It's not a Dusty Blake thing. It's not a Mike Maddox thing. It's not. It is the way the game is going, because the numbers dictate it. And so, I really think the Cardinals would love nothing more than to go full on new age, new frontier way of thinking. Let's catch, or almost like catching up to. Teams like the Dodgers and the Rays and the teams that do these strategies very effectively. The Astros uh, in, in some ways, but I mean, they've got guys like Justin Berlander. They go nine innings and that's fine. I, I think the Cardinals would love to, to go this route. I think you do need some experience as well. You add that to the room, but Dusty Blake can be the front man in terms of the pitching coach. And I think that would work out. I would be excited as a Cardinals fan to see what Dusty Blake could do with the role. And uh, again, continuity there. He's already part of the staff. I feel like you you especially heard from Mo on the hitting side. They're not looking to change a whole lot because they're looking to, to find guys that think like Jeff Albert thinks. And Turner Ward had good camaraderie there, so it wouldn't surprise me either to see him uh, potentially. And, and just some of the guys that are in those strategist types of roles that, that maybe are considered more in uh, front office roles and, and coaching staff, but not really one of the, the, the main guys you think of. I could see those guys really kind of uh, getting more opportunities and maybe being thrust into more prominent roles. I'm going to be very curious to see the way it breaks down, but that's kind of my read. I think Turner Ward's getting a promotion. I think Dusty Blake's getting a promotion and be interested to see how they round out the hitting room, if that's the case, uh, and the pitching room as well. But, like, yeah, you could go external. They could have gone external for the managerial opening, but I think they won an all-immortal. I think they like the guys that are in-house, and they, they've been sort of groomed for opportunities, for more opportunities down the road. I'll be very curious to see how it plays out. I think the Cardinals are going to be in good hands, though. I think we could look back on this as an opportunity, almost, for the team to say, it's not that Mike Maddox was a bad pitching coach. He's one of the, the top few handful of pitching coaches in the game today, in my opinion. So much experience, you can't you can't poo-poo that experience and, and say, oh, he's he's washed up, he's no good. No, I think he does a very fine job. I, I think the Cardinals were were in good hands with him. I think they'll be in good hands uh, without him as well. And I think on the hitting side, it is an opportunity to really integrate even a little bit more effectively all that which they believe in in up and down through the organization and the minor leaguers that are doing so well, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, guys who have really taken uh, giant leaps forward in their progression and development. You can pair that effectively, I think, even a little bit more than they have under Jeff Albert with what they're looking to do at the major league level. And I think it can be a, a boost for this team can look back on it as an opportunity. Again, the day that Mike Shilt was fired, you think, Oh boy, like, are they sure they want to take this risk? I, I feel like I'm willing to give Moselak a little bit of latitude here to say, Hey, he figured out how to replace Shilt with a guy that I believe is probably better uh, in, in the way that he goes about things. And again, I'm a, I'm a big fi- a fan of Mike Shilt, but I'm maybe even a bigger fan of volume Marvel after what I've seen from him over the past year. So I'm going to kind of step back and say, man, no judgment. I feel like Mo is in a – he he built a little bit of credibility, right? And it's not that he didn't have credibility before. He's been doing this job for a long time, and you you just sort of maybe get tired of hearing him talk because he's been around a million years, and you get frustrated when he doesn't do what you think he should do. But Mo does a, a generally pretty strong job. You know, he, he's, I think, a little bit reactionary at times instead of being proactive about fixing the issues that the team has that all of us try to point out and say, oh, my gosh, they got to fix this. And then they don't in the offseason. They, they try to skimp and save where they can. And then in June, it's like, oh, yeah, here's that thing that we knew you would need to fix. But then, to his credit, he went out and did it this past year. Really, that's two years in a row where he's made the moves that have put the Cardinals, and it's been pitching both times, but he's made the moves that have put the Cardinals into a position to succeed, and then they they falter in the playoffs. It happens. But I think in this case, I'm giving him the latitude on these hires, and Ollie and Marmel as well, in terms of kind of, handpicking the bench coach, you'd think, because that's kind of his right-hand man. So I'll be interested to see where they go, but I think uh, it's it's not panic button time, in my opinion, for the Cardinals and, and, and these coaching bits of news. So that's where I am on all that. We'll we'll keep you updated on the coaching situations as uh, the Cardinals look to fill those roles. A couple other notes. We'll touch on Wainwright and Arnato, and I think we'll call it good for this episode of the show, and then more from the remainder of the presser If there's something I didn't touch on today and you heard the whole episode and you're like, oh, I want to hear his thoughts on this, at bshafer12 on Twitter, shoot me a message. Let me know what I should talk about, what I should make sure to hit on in the next episode. But real quick, I wanted to play a little bit of John Moselec audio on Adam Wainwright returning, which I feel like everybody should be excited about. Like, I know he wasn't great down the stretch. They explained that with the mechanical flaw that Moselec said basically today he was aware that Wainwright was going to have that Twitter thread because he was uh, abreast of the situation before that, which makes sense because we know Mose-Lock probably in conversation about, are you coming back? Do you want to come back? Moselec's probably like, do we want you back? We saw you pitch in September and Wainwright, you know, I guess discovers and then figures out, yeah, this is what happens. And it's sad that it happened too little too late, but kind of questions on, the notion of how the Cardinals felt about that, how they feel about Wainwright coming back, and, and that whole deal with the Twitter thread and maybe why that mechanical issue wasn't discovered a little sooner. I think I want to play that audio because it colors, in my opinion, the reason that it's a no-brainer for the Cardinals to bring him back. That they, Yes, they believe that this is what happened with Wayneo. It was easily fixable now that they've diagnosed it, and they believe he can be himself. And uh, when he is himself, he's a pretty effective pitcher. And they think that's what he could be in 2023. So here was uh, Moselak's answer to a question about the Twitter thread, and, and you'll hear what follows.
1: Well, I actually knew he was going to say that well before he published it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I I kind of respect his answer though. Like, like, you know, he has a process that that he does on his own that that he's had obviously tremendous success doing. Um, he got away from that a little bit, and since and, and clearly performance suffered. The good news is he feels like there is something that he can physically do differently, and uh, you know clearly that gives us more confidence in, in bringing him back. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I guess is the question,
0: what is the way to find that throw in a matter of just Adam's process, or did you identify maybe?
1: Um, yeah, I feel like a, a lot of people were, were, were blaming the coaching at that point. Um, I understand that's a fair question. I, I think, though, when you really understand Adam's process, he's not leaning on pitching as may, or coaching as much as maybe a younger player might. And and so um, I don't think placing fault here is as important as at least we have an answer. And now we're moving forward.
0: In another kind of classy move, I think, by Mo there to not throw Mike Maddox under the bus. Like, he's not on the team anymore. He could say, yeah, that Mike Maddox guy sucks. Like, why didn't he catch this from Wainwright? But I think when again I agree with Mo in this case, where you evaluate. All right, what does Wainwright do to prepare? He's been doing it for twenty years. Should he be a little bit more diligent? Clearly, and I think he's going to be. I don't think you're going to see an Adam Wainwright that lets those sorts of things slip by in twenty twenty three. And we could sit here and be mad as, as all we want that it, that he wasn't on top of it in time for it to matter. And maybe it costs the Cardinals. It didn't because they didn't hit. That's why they. Unless he was looking at his mechanics as a batter, it wasn't going to matter. Like. They, they pitched really well in those two games against the Phillies. They didn't score enough runs. I think that's the bottom line of it. So I don't really think it actually costs the Cardinals in any major way in terms of their elimination from the playoffs. I look at it, though, as let's be realistic. In our jobs, do we all sometimes take things for granted? Let's not even say that we slack. We're slacking. But are the things you take for granted because you've done them a million times and you just don't maybe always put the care into each and every one could you also make the argument that none of us make $17.5 and a year and none of us have a city uh, with, with World Series dreams riding on us? Sure. I mean, we could go round and round. I'm just trying to make the comparison to say I don't think it's totally outside the bounds to think, all right, does Wainwright usually know what he's doing? Yeah. Does he watch as much video as the guy coming up from the minors? Probably not. It's old hat to him at this point. Yes, I think he's going to be more diligent because of this moving forward. But no, do I think that Mike Maddox is a bad pitching coach because he didn't catch it and it took him a month as as a staff and as Adam Wainwright to figure out what was going on. No, like I, I don't think you got to get all up in arms. Like fans, you find something to get mad about and I get it. There are questions to be asked. It is a fair question. Do I think it's worth really the angst? Probably not. Just one of those things. It's unfortunate it happened. And uh, I don't think it'll happen again when it comes to Adam Wainwright because he sounded like a guy – Did a Zoom as well later this afternoon. Guy that's hungry, guy that wants to compete. He said, yeah, it's going to be my last year in 2023, but I don't want the hoopla that goes along with that. I just want to go out and pitch. I think he's going to be very business-oriented and uh, has an eye on winning. And maybe, honestly, more than just one eye. He's got both of them. And there's another guy on the Cardinals roster who has both his eyes on winning as well. It's Nolan Arenado. I want to play this clip for you to wrap up the show today from John Moselock explaining his conversations with Nolan We've sort of speculated and i sort of speculated that Arenado may want a restructured contract because toward the end of this deal, there's a de-escalating dollar value for each subsequent year on his current contract. And it just wouldn't make sense to me to say, all right, expand it out a couple of years, level it out, even if you make a little bit less money now, even it out or, or structure it the way that you want it to get that, that final bite at the apple, so to speak. Like You're going to be a cardinal for life, but you're, we're also going to set you up financially beyond just your Mid 30s, or whatever it is that this current contract goes to, it would seem reasonable to me. However, John Mozalak saying, yes eh, maybe not really about restructuring the contract so much as Nolan Arnato feeling convicted in this organization heading in the direction that he wants it to competitively. Interesting quote from John Mozalak. Here's what he had to say about that.
1: Well, can you characterize Arnato's desire to be here, your desire to keep him here, and then what it takes? Is it as simple as kind of reworking the deal? No, I don't think it's about reworking the deal. I just think it's you know, he's just trying to use his time and, and, and sort of sort through some things. He asked some questions on you know how we were thinking about the club, what we're thinking about in the future, um, you know, topics like you know how are we going to de- deploy our resources. And again, it was it was a very positive conversation. Um, you know, I'm I'm again hopeful and optimistic that we can we can come to a place where we're both happy and. Uh, and have that understanding, but he just wants a little time to think through that.
0: Well, how about that? Ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like Nolan Arnato He's the guy holding Mo's feet to the fire. I uh, want to know how we're going to use the resources, how we're going to, you know, the, the direction, what we're going to do with the roster into the future. Nolan's asking all the right questions, folks. And I think I, I like that. He's using his leverage in this way. I'm telling you, the guy wants to be back. He's going to be back. Honestly, the only, the only way he wouldn't be back and I hate, hesitate to even say this and open the door to it. But the only way he wouldn't be back is if Mo is just blatantly not telling the truth about the way the conversation was characterized. And he, what he said to Aronato, Arnado was like, oh, it doesn't sound like this guy and ownership group is willing to spend at all to win. But Nolan's basically like, are, are you going to spend to win? Are we going to be a, a, effective in the way that we are supplementing this roster? And uh, in everything he said today, payroll's going to go up. Everything seems to be trending in the direction of, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. Make sure Arnato is on the same page about that, and he's going to be back, and everything's going to be great. It's just a matter of getting it done and having that happen. I, I was kind of surprised, though, to hear that, no, it's not really about restructuring the deal. I, I think it's a great time to restructure the deal. But if Nolan doesn't need that, he just needs assurances about, hey, what are we looking at doing? What's the roster going to be like? Are we spending? How are we allocating resources effectively? All that kind of stuff. More power to him. I mean, he's got the opt-out in there for a reason. It gives him leverage to ask those kinds of questions. Interesting that a lot of people wonder if Mike Schilt was fired for those same kind of questions, uh, but Mike Schilt doesn't go 30 and 100 every year, and, and Nolan Arenado does with a, with a platinum glove to go along with it pretty much every year. So that's basically the way it breaks down. Five days after the World Series, I believe, is the deadline for that opt-out decision by Arnauto. Uh Hopefully it's not a case where he does opt out, but again, if it were about, restructuring the contract, I think he might opt out if they don't have it resolved by then. And then they would fix it by, you know, fixing the contract for him. But obviously it's going to make Cardinals fans very uncomfortable. If he does opt out, even if it's with the promise of, yeah, we're just going to fix the contract because then technically he would be a free agent and anything goes at that point. So important for the Cardinals to get it done right now. Mo is characterizing it as yeah, no problem. Cross some T's dots, some I's, As long as it stays that way, there's no problems here. I still maintain Arenado will be the third baseman on opening day in 2023 for the St. Louis Cardinals. But we'll keep you abreast of all that information if anything changes, updates, tea leaves, all that good stuff as time goes on. But that is going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. Plenty more to get to from John Moselak's presser in a future episode, so stay tuned to the B-Shape Daily podcast feed. Uh, For NFL fans, we'll also try to get our NFL Picks podcast out uh, within the next 24 to 48 hours as well. So appreciate you guys for being on board as always, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.